Just let me introduce you to everybody. Uh, this is uh, Gina, Roy, Lucas, AJ. The staff of Empire Records had the coolest jobs on earth. Do you think the story is already written? Or do you think a bold and courageous act can change the course of history? Something happened to me last night in Atlantic City. Did you win anything? No, I did not. But Lucas blew it. Everyone knew it. You want to buy Empire? Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> the money is gone. Where's it going to? I think it's recirculating. I'm turning this into a music town? Empire Records. Featuring the music of Better Than Ezra, Jim Blossoms, Ape Hangers, Evan Dando, Toad the Wet Sprocket, and the Cranberries. What is wrong with you people? Rock and roll. That Leaf Garrett behind the music when they brought that dude out in the wheelchair? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> To recap and gown, the podcast where four old millennials talk about the high school and college movies from back in the day when we were high school and college students to find out what made the grade and what should have been held back. Representing the class of 03, I am your co-host Crooks. Joining me this week and every week, he sings like an angel and drinks like a fish. The class of 04's own Big Hearn, David Oscar Hernandez. What up, Dave? Not much, man. Uh, it's been a long, pretty shitty week, but... Uh... Happy to be here to talk about this particular movie. Last night, I drank a couple too many and did some pretty random Amazon uh, purchasing. I bought a new pair of golf shoes. How much golf are you playing nowadays? Uh, enough to warrant a new pair of golf shoes, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, so I got that going for me, which is good. Oh, well, congrats on the purchase. Yeah. Happy for you. Excited. Uh, also joining us in the class of 03, she is one half of our very own Texas two-step, the one and only big sis, Megan Mills. What up, Megan? Hey, guys. Um, I'm actually not in Texas today. Um, broadcasting live from Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> the big mo. Your old home. Yes. Not to be confused with Kansas City, Kansas. Mm. A garbage town, I've heard. <laughs> I, I apologize to all of our Kansas City, Kansas listeners. Uh, and K rounding up KCK, the two, as they call it here, KCK. Oh, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. KCK? Mm -hmm. That's news to me. Uh, rounding out the two-step, this podcast chief astrology and trivia correspondent from the class of 01, Dana Griffin. What up, Dana? Not much. Uh, I'm excited because I'm getting ready to actually like not to spend the weekend not in my house for the first time uh, since oh. February. So, Hooray. yeah. Where are you heading? Out we're uh, heading to a lake house, but I will, for like the first time, not be on in, you know, Marchmont Lane here. And I'm really excited. It's been a long time since I've seen lake, other yeah. places. Lake houses are the best. That's yeah. good. They are the best. Yeah. Lake Travis? The best. No. Lake Medina. Oh. Yeah. So I'm jazzed. Enjoy. Jazzed. Enjoy, the, uh, enjoy the, the lake weather. Maybe get on a boat. Some kind of a ski do of some sort. I'm just going to float. Just gonna float no. in the water, right. just hang out in it, keeping it chill. There's nothing wrong with that, especially because it's hot as balls there right now. I've heard. Mm -hmm. All right, now you guys, we have a special guest this week. He is 
my trivia teammate from uh, Big Titties and Chocolate Milk, a.k.a. Big Kitties and Chocolate Milk when autocorrect screws up, uh, a.k.a. Big Yabos and Chocolate Milk during Halloween trivia, a.k.a. the goddamn Globetrotters when we play away games, representing the class of 07, Nick Holman. What up, Nick? Hey, Kirk's what's going on, buddy? I mean, same old same. I haven't seen you guys in like half a year now at this point. I miss – for those who don't know, we used to kick ass. We won like basically every week. We were the hated villains at our, at our trivia bar. So I miss embarrassing everybody else and just shitting all over the other teams. You guys were the Baracktobers? We were the Baracktobers. Oh. We were the Baracktobers at our bar. We were – yeah, we were not – no one liked us. Mm. Well, it's almost a pretty bad. big asshole about it. It's almost bad now too because I work for the DJ that does the trivia. So now, like, I've done weddings for some of these people, and they see me come in, and they're like, "Oh, you, you guys get the answers ahead of time," and I like have to explain, "No, no, we don't." No, I would, I would showboat. I was always our, um, like, our tiebreaker. Oh, so yeah. if we had the tiebreak, it was either a question or like chug a beer, and I was a dick about it. Like my. I was I was fully steering into my villain status. I was uh, a monster heel at the bar that we played at. But um, good to have you here, Nick. Good to see you. Miss you guys. Miss you and the wife. Uh, yeah, same. This week, we are talking about 1995's Empire Records, which you can stream on Redbox, Amazon Prime, Fandango, Vudu, Google Play, Apple TV. It's basically everywhere. So if you, if you throw a rock, you're going to hit this one. Um, I did get the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes this time. A funky little record shop, not little, but all right. Funky little record shop provides the setting for this youthful comedy that centers on the workers as they try to help poor Joe, the manager, who really wants to buy the place, recoup his losses after his well-meaning but dim-bulbed employee Lucas steals his savings and loses it all in Atlantic City while trying to increase it twofold at the gambling tables. If they cannot come up with the loot... The mega chain Music City will buy it. That's pretty good. Gambling tables, dim bulbed, steals his savings. <laughs> Not his savings. This is a terrible. This is a terrible synopsis. Dim, dim bulbed yeah. is my favorite. Or the workers. They just the say the, work. yeah, the workers. I, I don't. I don't think Lucas is dim bulbed. I don't think he's dumb. I just think no. he's like a weirdo and kind of like a dickhead. And. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit sad they didn't call out mainstream teen AJ because he was a mainstream teen. Yeah. And, and, dude, it is not a little record shop. It's pretty it's huge. Big. It's like two it's stories. A, it's a city block. Yeah, it is. Walmart, dude. Yeah, it's gigantic. It is, it is way bigger than it needs to be. But, um, Megan, if you could real quick, give us a rundown of who is in this movie. Guys, I've been practicing this week. <laughs> I feel good. All right, you have Anthony LaPaglia as Joe Reeves. Mm, sure. Maxwell, uh-huh. There you go. I didn't either. Um, Maxwell Caulfield plays Rex Manning or Sexy Rexy, as you might remember mm-hmm. him. Um, Debbie Mazer plays Jane. This is in a very weird order. Um, Rory Cochran <laughs> plays Lucas. Mm. Our, our dim-bulbed friend. Um, He's dim-bulbed. Johnny Whitworth plays AJ. Robin Tooney plays Deborah. Renee Zellweger plays Gina. Uh-huh. Ethan Embry, um, a little crush of mine from back in the day, plays Mark. 
That's very on brand for you. I buy that entire. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's, he's actually credited as Ethan Randall in the movie. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I guess that was his name weird, before. Huh? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Coyote Shivers plays Burko. Brandon Sexton <laughs> the third plays Warren. He was not listed as the third when this came out. Um, Liv Tyler, another um, another fave of mine, plays Corey Mason. Um, James Chemo Wills plays Eddie. Um, ben Bodie plays Mitchell. And then Kimber Sis Sissons plays the woman at the craps table. <laughs> I, you know why she was thrown in there in this mix yeah. not sure well she says one of my, of it, apparently. she she says one of my favorite lines oh baby you are sex i'm like you're sex yeah mm. what the fuck I'm is sure it? i wrote that down yeah i chalked it to her being just like full-on hammered and barely able to stand at that point i don't know yeah. if that's the case but that's the only time you would say oh baby you are sex i feel like now let's quick go around the horn here and give some memories of uh, our experience with this movie. Megan, I know this is one of your all-time faves and I stole it from you and I, I don't really feel that bad about it, but I feel a little bit bad. So uh, if you want to take us off here, um, why do you love this movie so much? Yeah, um, I'm glad you admitted to that stealing because I, mm. I was definitely going to throw you under the bus if you hadn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, there Listeners, there are some lost episodes in which I picked it and, um, you know, I, I won't, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, for some, I don't know exactly when I first saw this movie, but I know that I watched it a ton. For some reason, I felt like it was just like very relatable. Like it was just kind of a bunch of misfits that worked in this store and they all kind of like were trying to be something that they were not. Um, and it was just like very kind of teen emo of the time. And um, I just remember watching it a ton of times, like in high school and college. Um, yeah. So excited to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Dana, how about you? Um, this was like, I don't know why, but it was like a big movie in my friend group. Like anytime a new person um, came into the group, we're like, all right, you got to sit down. You got to watch Empire Records. Like we were <laughs> obsessed with it. Um, and I'm not really sure how it started, but I definitely loved it. Like I loved the music. Characters were weird. Like who didn't love Ethan Embry at the time? Like one of my friends had like a huge crush on him. So I think that's part of what led, led us to watching it all the time. But yeah, like if we needed like a go-to movie to watch at a sleepover, we were putting on Empire Records. Like it was an obsession of ours. Yeah, don't know why. But. And I think that was us with um, Dazed and Confused. It was very similar. We used to watch it on a loop basically. And uh, yeah, I can very much relate to that story. Uh, Dave, how about you? What are your memories of watching this as a youth? Well, this particular one, I, I've either rented or purchased this movie more times than any other movie that I've ever seen in my entire life because i've I think i've rented it in the last year at least three times because i found out there's two different versions of it there's that longer extended version and then there's mm -hmm. that little there's the little short original one i've bought it on vhs a bunch of times I, I actually lost a friend's copy back in high school and i had to go to hollywood what not hollywood suncoast video in the mall and special oh, suncoast it was 23 dollars wow. for a vhs tape back then um word to suncoast I bought the DVDs. I, I bought the extended edition DVD. I bought it on Blu-ray before. And um, I guess you could say I like it. 
I can't really pinpoint why it was just the perfect time. I was starting to get into music. There was a lot of good music in it and it just hit and you do just in like weird, a weird like emo spot when you're like 14, 15 and like, there's a lot of emotions in this movie. I can relate to some of them. Boy, howdy. Boy, there howdy. are a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, when we first started talking about doing this podcast and I was kind of asking around my friends, you know, what movies do you guys want to come on and do? This was one that you right away called dibs on. Um, what are some of your memories of watching this when you were younger and why did you want to uh, join us this week? Yeah, so this one was probably like one of my favorites when I was growing up. I probably saw it when I was around 11 years old. And I saw it either on like HBO or something like that, like right probably a year after it had come out, maybe more than that. But um, just the music in the movie is what grabbed me. I've been a musician for years and years and years. Um, and the music in this movie just seems authentic. So anytime something is authentic, it seems like it gets kind of a niche crowd behind it. Um, and I was definitely part of that crowd. Um, but it's just a great movie overall. It's right at, you know, an hour and 30. It doesn't take your attention away. It's just really good detailed movie. Um, and it brings back the 90s for me. So that's why I like it. And see, I, I am the odd man out here because I had never seen this movie before we watched it for our lost episode a few months ago. Um, never seen like even, what? no, not even like little bits and pieces of it along the way. Um, I don't I understand. was aware of this. Listen, we were friends. We were very close friends for many years. We were watching it constantly. And I, I kind of blame you for not having me over to watch it at any point in time. We watched a lot of movies together and this is one that you never mentioned. So I feel like, you know, you're pointing a finger at somebody else, you got one more pointing back at you, Megan. Mm. Um, I, I will say, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's a shame that I hadn't seen it before now that I've seen it a couple of times. Um, it's the kind of thing that had I watched it when I was younger, I would have like gone bananas over it. There's a lot of stuff in here um, and we'll, we'll get around to it in a second here about whether it made the grade or not, but there's a lot of stuff in here that would have really, I think, resonated with me when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, I was a weirdo misfit. Um, so I would have fit in, I think, pretty well with this group. And I think seeing a movie where it's a teen movie and none of the characters are meant to be super cool, super popular. Um, we don't even get like any of the kind of characters walking in for even like a short brief scene that would bully any of these characters. That's pretty rare, I feel like, for a teen movie. So, um, yeah, I think I would have really loved it had I seen it back then. But, uh, Megan, now that you've watched this again as an adult, did this make the grade for you, or should they have held it back? I would definitely still made the grade. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, shocker. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, when I was going through, I was realizing that... Um, like I was mentioning earlier, it's like very relatable it, it, to your point. It's like, nobody is like super to the extreme, but they're all like kind of individuals and they're all sort of like grappling with like who they really are. And I just felt like that was, that's just very relatable for like most teenagers I actually um, identified who each one was of our friend group, our guy. Oh, friends. I want to hear Ooh. this. So I don't know if Buckle it's the right up. time to, I don't know if it's the right time to do that, but um, it's, it's the right time. It. All right. So um, Lucas, which I said is the delinquent. Um, and because oh, he committed one major crime. Yeah. So, yeah. 
but it was also like kind of the like the avoider and like very sarcastic and whatever definitely tony oaks um yeah then you have aj who's like the puppy dog who can't like read any signals and that's eric is that eric yep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're uh, up and ready to go i was so ready yeah <laughs> Okay, so should I let you guess this next one? Ethan Embry or whatever his character's Mark? Oh, it was, I mean, Bobby? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Clawson, well, yeah. Bobby, it would either have been him or Eddie for Bobby for me. They, were, they could have both been him. Yeah, and so do you want to know who I picked for you? Oh, God. Uh, well, I'm not Lucas, so that's good. Uh, I, I'm not Joe, right? <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I said you were either Joe or Burko. Oh, God damn it. I'd like to give me Burko. <laughs> I'm not Joe. I felt like you were with them. You were at least trying to like tell them to get their act together. I was the most responsible of that group. That's a very low bar. Yeah. Um, then then I, I don't remember if I did anything more, but I just thought those were good. <laughs> those were pretty good. Those were good. I, I was curious who you were going to say was the Gina of your group. And I don't, I don't really even have a good suggestion, I don't think. Uh, I don't know if there was a Gina, to be honest. No, I don't. I mean, I think I hung out with a whole bunch of Gina's freshman year. Yeah. And then you guys pulled me aside and you're like, hey, man, quit kicking with all those Gina's. Yep. <laughs> so I think that's, that's, that, that was a real thing that happened in my life. I got, I had an intervention in like the spring of my freshman year because all my female friends were Gina's and Megan and her friends were concerned about my reputation. Mm. Um, yeah, Dana. I feel like I want to come back to that because I feel like we need to talk about who Gina is. We can talk about it. But like, let's come back to that. Let's not forget. Like, not like when you asked us if Drumline was a sports movie and you never followed up. Um, Uh, The listeners don't know that because I edited that part out. (laughs) Okay. Dang it. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Okay. Anywho, um, I do want to, like, that's an interesting, interesting take that everybody might have on Gina. does it make the grade? Uh, I think it's still like, it's fine. Like it's just a bunch of little vignettes. I still enjoyed it. Um, I, you know, was bopping to the music. Um, yeah, I think this is again, like last week, the pass fail class, it passed. Um, and yeah, still enjoyed it. I have questions, which we'll get into, but other than that, I thought it was fine. Soundtrack was great. Okay. Dave, how about you? Make the grade or hold this back. It was a fine film. Uh, like I said before, there's two different versions. So you might get one that's 20 minutes shorter and that's lacks a lot of context from the stuff that uh, we were talking about. But yeah, either one. Um, I could, I've watched this three times in the last couple of days just to get reacquainted. And it was fun each time. So made the grade. Nice. Very nice. Nick, make the grade or should they have held this back? Uh, no, definitely makes the grade. Um, I mean, it is one of my favorite movies. However, I'd probably give it about a B, B plus. Um, you know, nothing perfect, but it's just one of those that's feel good movie. A lot of really cool stuff. A lot of great music. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, for me, um, I think this is one where, like I said, I would have really loved it had I seen it as a teenager. Um, some of the comedy, I think, really works, but... Uh, the amount of drama and angst, like running through basically every scene, especially the whole third act, it felt a little bit heavy and kind of sudden compared to how silly a lot of the early parts of the movie were. Um, so as an adult, I was a little bit weighed down by that. I will say I did love 
uh, Renee Zellweger in this. Um, it makes me very nostalgic for a world where like indie stores still existed because we don't really have that, especially in you know central Iowa at least anymore. Um, Chicago still had some of those, but I do miss having like my little indie shop that people knew me in and then I would go hang out in. Uh, it does make the grade for me. I'd say it's like a solid B, but it would have been a full blown A plus if I first saw this when I was like 13 or 14, because the, I think the emotional kind of resonance would have for sure hung in there for me. Um, does anybody have any fun facts about this one before we jump into the discussion? Yeah, I had a couple cause Rex Manning day comes up every April 8th and you'll see random. We should, we should say, we should it. say we recorded, we recorded the first time on the last episode on Rex Manning day yeah. by coincidence. And uh, very, that was, really cool guys. That was a fantastic coincidence. I, I, I loved it. I found out that they picked April 8th as a tribute to Kurt Cobain. That was the day that uh, his body was discovered after his suicide, April 8th, 1995. That was when they were shooting the movie too. Um, Jesus. So they were all, and uh, you wouldn't know that it's April 8th unless you watch like one little part in the movie at the very beginning when Joe's opening up the store, he has the key and you can kind of zoom in and pause on, on the poster in front and it says Rex Manning day, April the 8th. Um, but yeah, no, no one ever says it. You, 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 you would not know it's April 8th for, for any other reason other than if you decided to pause right at that moment. And uh, nice. This, this was always interesting. Uh, Coyote Shivers, who plays Burko, is Liv Tyler's stepdad. Uh, she, he, uh-huh. he, yeah, he married uh, Liv's mom, was B.D. Buell, and her dad's obviously Steven Tyler in, 90, in 1992, and they divorced in uh, 1999. He's only uh, 12 years older than her, but yeah, that's her stepdad. Kind of. That's fucking wild. Uh, yeah. And he um, plays like yeah. a her age in this movie, right? Yeah. Who knows how old Burko is? I don't I yeah. don't know. I have questions about that. How old he is lives anyone? In a shack. He lives in a van yeah. down by the river or, or a shack behind <laughs> He lives in like a, a, a lean to adjacent to the store basically. So yeah, I didn't but I don't he's, he's her peer at least. But he's dating Deb, who's like definitely like cannot be older is than he fun. dating Deb? We'll, we'll get to that. I don't, I don't know. I'm a little bit confused talk about about exactly it. what their interaction yeah. is, but um, yeah, I think let's go ahead and kind of jump into some of the discussion here. Uh, my first note is um, this Lucas fella. How the fuck does he get off? <laughs> like, I was so like frustrated and infuriated with him. He is he shows no remorse uh, for stealing all this money and losing it. And the amount of attitude he is giving Joe after committing what I'm pretty sure is grand larceny. Grand, grand, grand larceny. This is a, this is a felony in most States. Great, grand larceny. Greatest of grand. Um, I, yeah, I, what were, what was everyone else's thoughts on Lucas? Cause as, as somebody who didn't see this as a teenager, I just found myself being so frustrated with him all the time i thought he was hilarious like i again i've forgotten the opening like that's how it begins like because there comes a point where you like never watch this movie from the beginning you just like catch it on tv and you're just like you're in the mix of rex manning day and i kind of forgot that he went to atlantic city to (laughs) double the money which i still don't think would have been enough money he was trying to quadruple you're right. Yeah, because he doubled it and then just let it ride. Let like it ride. Dickhead. Jesus. You're right. 
Oh no, I think I wrote that down. Would $36,000 been enough to buy the empire? Probably not. Probably not. Who knows? Probably not. But I mean, um, in 1995 money, that's like $4 million. So maybe. $4 million. Sure. Yep. Inflation, sure. man. Rough. Inflation's rough. Um, but I just thought like, I don't know. Once you get past the whole grand larceny thing, I thought it was funny. Like, He's like, Joe, I got to leave the couch and like walks around with a cushion. Like, I just thought he was playing with him, you know, coloring inside the lines kind of, or maybe, I don't know, outside, I don't know what the right metaphor is, but I thought he was fun. The couch cushion, the couch cushion was a funny gag. I did enjoy that. But at the same time, I'm like, you're the reason all this is happening. (laughs) You you can't, you don't get to be a dick today. Mm -hmm. I think Lucas is a dick every day. And <sighs> it turns out. Is he a psychopath or a sociopath? One of them. Um, one of those. I, I don't I don't think he's charming enough to be a sociopath. Uh, I yeah, do I think he's, he's probably great. a psychopath. So here's here's a riddle. I, I'm wondering if any of you guys are psychopaths because I've this is a riddle that comes from um, my favorite murder, which is among my favorite podcasts that Dave introduced me to on our drive home from Colorado for my bachelor party. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a, that was a nine and a half hour drive. <laughs> um, <laughs> here is how it goes. So uh, this is, I think it's something that they used to use at the FBI to find out if somebody they were talking to might have been a sociopath. So it, it, I don't know if it's been discredited since then, but here's how it goes. I'll see if I can remember the whole thing. Um, a man is at the funeral of his uh, father. And uh, he sees a woman there that he thinks is like the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his entire life. And they have a nice conversation. And, you know, he's, he's really into this woman. And then six weeks later, he murders his mother. Why did he do it? Was the beautiful woman his mother? No. Oh. This, this is not a the doctor's a woman kind of room. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was the one that you were going to tell. I'm like, oh, well, the doctor's a woman. Yeah. No. And you know what? Here, I will say this. The fact that none of you guys know right away means you aren't psychopaths. Because apparently if you ask this question of a psychopath, they know it immediately. And like, that's a dumb question. Of course, this is it. He murders his mother thinking that the woman's going to come to that funeral too. Because if Mm -hmm. she knew his dad, she might come to his mom's funeral too. So yeah, it's, it's a... And I guess if you were to ask like a serial killer, he'd be like, well, that's a dumb question. Is he should come to the funeral too? It's a, it's a very obvious answer. So congratulations, you guys all pass. I do think Lucas is a psychopath. I think he's actually a sociopath because I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, and the difference is the sociopath makes it clear they don't, they don't care. They're hot-headed and impulsive. They recognize what they're doing, but rationalize their behavior. They cannot maintain oh a regular work and family life. And they can form emotional attachments, but it's difficult. A psychopath, Jesus pret- Christ. a psychopath pretends to care, displays cold-hearted behavior, fails to recognize other people's distress, have relationships that are shallow or fake. Like I feel like Lucas is more in the sociopath side. Yeah, he's a textbook sociopath. It turns yes. out that is because yeah, I mean the fact that he shows no remorse, I think, was the part that bothered me the most. Like okay, you did a bad thing. You might've done it for noble reasons, but you did a bad thing. And then there's that whole scene where Joe is like, well, where's the money? And he's like, well, it's in Atlantic City, Joe. What's it doing there? Recirculating, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, dude, no, no, you don't get to be smug right now. Like you don't get to, 
act like, you know, oh, well, fuck you, Joe. Like, you stole all of the money. Lost it immediately. He is, <laughs> though, answering doing? the questions where the question was, oh. where is the money? Atlantic City. Like, it was and, he's not know, wrong. Rationalized. He's technically answer. correct. <laughs> yes, like a sociopath. I think the part that, that bothered me the most about his whole lack of remorse was like, even when he finds out what Joe's plan was, he doesn't have like a, oh, holy shit, I fucked up, guys, I'm so sorry, kind of a moment. He knows what Joe's plan was when he makes Joe, when he says superb over and over again, to the point that Joe whoops his monkey ass because he deserved it. Yeah. Like, I was, I was happy that Joe finally beat the shit out of him. I would have done it more than that. Like, the kid is, ugh. I don't like him. I have nothing good to say about him. Yeah. He wasted all of his good luck on other people, though. That he was, was nice. winning like bananas. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets there. He's like, one, just one more roll of die. I still, I, I hope I kept my luck. And that's it. He should have just really? held off. He, he shouldn't have pulled that lever for that one lady and won her all that money. <laughs> he should have saved that well, luck. Because it's fine. He clearly had, he had titties on the brain and he was all of a sudden like, I got oh, this woman has her breasts on my shoulder. I have to throw these dice again. Um, while we're talking about Lucas, we should probably dig into his backstory here a little bit because the backstory comes out of left field for me. Do we think the other people at the store knew this backstory? Because he was telling it as though it was like new information for them. Uh I just didn't really understand. I don't know if it's because I didn't watch the extended <laughs> version. Did Joe adopt Lucas or did Joe just give, like, I couldn't understand, like, I couldn't connect the threads. Of, mm. I don't think at, at 10, I guess he was 13 because he was in the system for three years. I don't think you can just be like, hey, I'm going to have this kid move in and live with me, but I'm not going to adopt him. That feels like some Michael Jackson leaving Neverland type shit. I don't, it's definitely weird. I don't think that was the setup. I, I assume he adopted him. Like, why? Like, I just couldn't figure... Okay, I don't know. I, they didn't explain it. He just, he just did it, I guess. I thought it was, it was like a big brothers, big sisters kind of thing, where he's like, I'm going to try to guide this kid to not be a criminal and, tr and try to make him a, a normal member of society. I don't think he adopted Oh, him. good job, Joe. Okay. I, I don't, he tried his best, I guess, as much as he was, was able to give. And, like, Lucas yeah. could be worse. How about that? Like, this much, is how, you know, like... He, he could have stolen $10,000 instead of 9000 That would have been way he worse. He could have wound up like Warren. So I guess, yeah. I guess yeah, yeah, he could have been worse. Um, yeah. I just kind of felt like... I don't, I'm not sure the movie needed this backstory from him. Like, it... It, it, we'll, I, think, we'll get... I think that's the only way, only minute validation of why Joe didn't kick his ass at the very beginning of the movie. Because if he was, whether or not he was his adopted parent or his like big brother from the big brothers, like obviously they had like formed an emotional bond and Joe had came come from a troubled past. So it was like trying to connect on that level. So that, that was to me the only reason why it was, needed because we're all like why the hell is joe not getting madder at him it does explain that and i i've i've worked for a lot of different bosses i've had some like really really cool bosses they would have called cops <laughs> like i 
when I worked at that video game store, I mean, you know, I, I probably, the statute of limitations is up. I used to rob that store blind of all the yeah. old, like, used games. Like, I never stole money from the store, but we had, like, a, a, a handful of gigantic drawers of old, like, PS1 games. If we have 15 copies of a game no one's buying, like, yeah, I'll take one. Like, we just... This, but even if, if Tim knew I was doing that, he'd have been like, okay, well, have to call the police now. <laughs> like, this is going to suck for me and suck for you, but you're stealing. I, it does justify why Joe didn't call the cops, but, like, I just... Joe should have called the cops any goddamn way. I mean, yeah. Dude, I've seen somebody... Um getting locked out by a cop for stealing a cell phone case. I work for a big right. and I've seen them take people up for stealing a cell phone case. Yeah, because you're stealing. This was a different time. A different time. It was pre-9-11. The rules were different. We'll talk um, about that again later. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy. Uh, so I also I, I wanted to uh, to dig into the entire character of Rex Manning here. Um, I, I <laughs> Megan is doing a shimmy that I'm, it's it's a real shame the guests can't see. To be fair, <laughs> I started here. it because Dana is doing it. So yeah, I might be yeah, so we're, all, the we're all doing a shimmy to say no more. No more. Let's off. Let's talk about that. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about. Say no more. The song and the video. Um, I think. I hope I'm not wrong in this. It felt very much like they were aping those old Robert Palmer videos to make this one like oh, the yeah. simply irresistible, addicted to love. Um, yeah. Would it have made sense for Say No More to be a hit in '95? Are they saying it is a hit? I didn't <laughs> think they were. No, I, well, I, they, but they all like it. Like it didn't no, outside of Burko, the, oh, like oh, Gina, Gina and Corey genuinely enjoy that song. There's a scene where Mark is singing it alone by himself, a mop on the floor, and like dancing around. Yeah. I think it's like an earworm. Like it's a catchy tune. Like it is it, that it gets stuck in, and just because you're like singing along doesn't mean you like it. I just feel like it's probably on repeat all yeah. the time that you're just like, oh shit, say, you're just <laughs> singing, say no more. Yeah, dude, that's the, the uh, Macarena is a really catchy song, but oh boy, yeah. does, does it doesn't make it good? Yeah, facts. Who uh, let the dogs out? Venga boys. <laughs> I mean, they're, we've all they're, we've all been there before. The list goes on and on. And another thing about this video, they made a full video. I don't know if you guys knew this. Jesus, oh, I, so there's like that. four and a half minutes of this somewhere, but they use just little clips. I've been watching the full video for a long time. That's that's like um, if you line up all the McBain clips from The Simpsons, you get like a 30-minute yeah. short video of McBain, the whole storyline. Yeah. Um, now, I think, you know, I, I mentioned Robert Palmer. Um, who do we all think Rex Manning is based on as a, as a character, both as an artist and like a piece of shit human being? I know um, his wardrobe is Tom Jones, Rod Stewart. Based. It is Tom Jones. Yeah. Big time with the, just the, <laughs> the polyester shirts and just the hair kind of just, I don't, I don't know what to say about the hair, but. Uh, Lapels uh, to the horizon. And I'm just trying to think of uh, similar characters like Big on a TV show then becomes like a singer. Or Maybe like Rick Springfield. 
Yes. Like an evil Rick Springfield. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Like a like a David Cassidy or like like a Lace yeah. Garrett, like someone like yeah. that who was like popular yeah. on like Happy Days or something. And yeah, I was thinking also like he's got a, a Donny Osmond vibe. If Donny Osmond wasn't a Mormon, like yeah. if he did bad stuff, this is how he would have wound up. I feel like it's like it definitely would have been like oh at the time um, a behind the music Rex man. Yes, like Jesus, that Leaf Garrett behind the music when they brought that dude out in the wheelchair. Oh Jesus, <laughs> like that was the darkest moment of television. Uh, oh, that has stuck with me for thirty years apparently. Um, now while we're talking about some of the old heartthrobs from back then, your Leaf Garretts and Donny Osmonds and Rick Springfields. Um, did any of us have our own Rex Mannings? Like celebrities that we had crushes on as legitimate little kids that if they showed up and they were way over the hill, we would have still thrown ourselves at Corey style? I mean, yeah. Well, you name one? <laughs> go ahead. Uh, Don't well, put them in the chat. I mean, Harrison Ford, A. Oh. To this, to this day. That's fantastic. Indiana Jones. Was, is that, I was going to say, was it Indiana Jones or was that, was that a yeah. Han Solo? It was That's an Indiana Jones situation. Answer. Yep. Um, however, I did not understand Liv Tyler, Corey. Her, I have a hard time calling her Corey. Her obsession <laughs> with Rex Manning. It was I, weird. I don't get it. Especially because the picture that she has of him is like, 30 years old like he doesn't look anything like him well like did anybody watch like charles in charge on reruns oh, yeah. as like a kid or like even like saved you know, by scott the bell? Bale like scott bayo <laughs> yeah like i like adored scott bayo and now like he's ugh. you know like you don't That's know what's gonna happen like he might be speaking you know? at the rnc right now but like, I, like it could be. but if you saw him would you want to lose your virginity to him like, oh, that's a big bar. Like, I, that, that does seem like to the extreme, you know what I mean? Yeah, that does seem like a weird, like, J.C. <laughs> Chazay, like, huge, loved him when he was on Mickey Mouse Club, was a huge, but he okay. wasn't like a, like a has-been by the time I was in high school. So I think that's like- That's what I was going to say. It's, yeah. it's a little bit tough, because I, I have three here that I, I give this some real thought this week. Um, the first one, I think, is somebody that makes more sense than the other two. Uh, I'm going to toss a name out there and see if anybody knows who this is. Um, Moira Quirk. Anybody know Moira Quirk? Oh, that sounds familiar. There was a TV show when I was a youth on Nickelodeon called Guts. And, uh, <gasps> the referee? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moira Quirk was the referee. She was British. Uh, I, 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 I looked at pictures of her from like today and I'm like, yeah, like, all right. I, I, that makes sense to me when I was seven years old and they would toss it over to Mo to give the rules of whatever bungee cord based game they were going to play that time. Um, so yeah, Moira Quirk might've been like my first ever crush as a kid. Uh, and if I was like 18 and Mo was coming to like sign a piece of the aggro crag at my store, I probably would have tried to corner her and bring her her lunch. Like it would have, it would have been an embarrassing moment for me, but I think that's one that's on my list. Um, in terms of people that were a little bit more washed up, I'm gonna go uh, chronologically based on age here. Uh, Jack A, I was big in the Jack A. I was a, 
227? Yes. yes. It's and specifically 227 Jackie. I love Sister Sister Jackie. I was about to say, and then Sister Sister. Tia and Sarah. Let's not forget Ladybugs with Jonathan Brandis and Mario oh, Winterfield. Yeah, dude. Which I don't think we'll ever cover <laughs> for this podcast, but it's a fucked up movie if you watch it's it fun. again. Yeah. It, it, it is. Oof. There is some, some messed up shit in that. But yeah, Jack A, uh, whether it's just Jack A or Jack A Harry, I would have been, if she would have shown up and said, hey, Mary, I would have I had a moment there, I think, as a teen. <laughs> yeah. And then. The one that I think is like most parallel to this, I was a Nick at Night kid growing up when I was little. Um, I don't really know why, but like I was big into like Bob Newhart. Mm. Um, I watched a lot of, uh, what's the, uh, Shlemiel Shlemazel, who was that? Oh, Laverne and Shirley. Um, Laverne and Shirley, yeah. I was big into Laverne and Shirley and uh, I watched both Dick Van Dyke and the Mary Tyler Moore show. So Mary Tyler Moore, would have been like if she was like 55 and I was 19 at a record store and she was coming out of been like all right guys like judge away but I gotta shoot my shot because Mary Tyler Moore is here um for sure would have been I would have gotten fired I think I really only had one um I used to watch Saved by the Bell a lot I was a big Kelly Kapowski fan okay yeah yeah uh-huh for the yeah. She goes just by no Tiffany Thiessen now. No Amber. I know. Yeah. Well, she'll always be Amber to me, but. I think Megan's right. Like the whole losing your virginity to that person, kind of weird. Like that. Yeah, that's a different element like to this. I, I I feel like whether it was Mo or Jack A or a Mary Tyler Moore, I don't think any of them. I'm like, well, this is my first time. That was. What do we think about uh, Gina encouraging that? <laughs> like, should she have been a better friend to be like, whoa, your first time? I don't know. He probably has syphilis. <laughs> Is this where we could, like, talk about Gina for a second? Or Yeah. Um, big questions about her, like, how old is she? Was a big uh, point of confusion for me. Um, I think she's in the same grade. What? I don't know that she is. How old is anybody? There's a moment that Gina mentions that her mom's life ended like after high school because she never yes. left town. So I could be persuaded to believe that she's 18, but she presents as a 25 year old woman. Well, because she was. That's how old Renee Zellweger was right. uh, when she filmed this. But I think that's like the hard part where, like, if she's a teenager, like their classmates. I find her behavior like bizarre, creepy, encouraging the losing your virginity to Rex Manning, like unacceptable. But if she's like a 25 year old who's friends with an 18 year old who like takes her to work, I think it's kind of like last week with American Pie where like people build like the first time up on this thing and it's just kind of like, yeah, get it knocked out. You know, like I think that's what she was encouraging. That's maybe. a point. I, I do get that where if she's like, if she's, an adult woman with a 25 year old's, you know, regular amount of experiences, she's probably like, dude, you, you, it's pusalaya. Like it's just, just do it and have a good time with it. Like you don't have to, but I, I feel like if that's the case, she'd be like, why don't you just go bang AJ behind the that's dumpster true. real quick? Like not Rex Manning, who again, probably had syphilis. Like 
That dude's got a diseased dick, I feel like. Dude, syphilis is curable now. Go for it. You can just get the penicillin shot and you'll be fine. But was it in 95? I probably yes. don't, right? Pen yeah. Penicillin's been around for a while, bro. <laughs> well, sure, penicillin has been around for a while. I didn't know if it worked on syphilis in 95. I don't know. Uh, syphilis I wasn't has been cured in 95. for a while. So, yeah, it's... it's uh... But, okay, so when you were saying, like, Megan and her group of friends had to tell, pull you away from the Gina's of your uh, friend. What does that mean? What is, what is a freshman year Gina? Like what is um, okay. We'll, we'll take a, a really short trip down memory lane. Um, for the record, I looked basically like I look now when I was 14. Um, Megan can vouch for this. I haven't, I, I was six foot two and 230 pounds coming into high school with a mustache. So like, I've been a grown man for most of my life. And um, because, as we mentioned in a previous episode, I was in the gifted program for eighth grade only. At our middle school, that was a segregated part of the school. We were not, we didn't interact with the other kids outside of like gym class and our electives. So we were sanctioned off by ourselves. My two best friends from sixth and seventh grade were both named Mike, and they both moved away the summer before eighth grade. So I had one friend in eighth grade. It was Bobby Clausen. I never saw him. <laughs> so I had to start from scratch. None of the girls in the gifted program would give me the time of day because I was a grown man. I looked like I was a 21 Jump Street narc in these classes <laughs> with them. And so I got to high school and I made friends with girls for the first time in my life. Um, I had a, a friend who was a complete fuck up named Brian Fuller. I haven't seen him since 99. He got expelled for bringing vodka and Gatorade to school and drinking in the computer lab. Sounds so like he was a, cool a friend kid. of mine. But like he, he, he was genuinely a pretty cool kid, but he got, yeah. he got tossed out of school. And so yeah. when he got expelled, all of the girls that were in his social circle were still like friends with me. And so I just kind of felt like, oh, they're just very friendly. Like, they're just friendly girls who like to flirt a lot. Uh, turns out, no. Um, they were they were fast, they fast were young girls. That was <laughs> I would never call them that. Um, but I, I will say one of them had parties every Friday that I was always at, um, at her parents' house, who were upstairs, and they were the classic didn't give a shit. They were um, Amy Poehler's character from Mean Girls minus the money. So they were just like upstairs tripping balls on mushrooms and, and acid and shit where there was a full-blown like bacchanal happening in their basement. And I saw boobs all the time. The girls were nude on the, on the regular. What? Would not have been out of place to have one of them in an apron and that's it. And yeah. this is what I thought was normal behavior for 14 year old girls. Cause I didn't have any female friends before this. And so I remember it was spring cause the snow had just melted and Megan, um, I don't, I don't think previous mentioned Claudia was there for this, but Megan was there. The girl who would become, uh, my high school and college girlfriend was part of this. Also the queen bee from Megan's social circle was part of this too. And I remember they, they like pulled me aside in the hallway and they were like, Crooks, like if you ever want like a normal girl to want to date you, you have to stop hanging out with these girls because you have, you have like a 
a horrible reputation right now. <laughs> like everyone thinks that you're like banging chicks left and right 24 seven because of all these girls you hang out with. Mind you, I also wore Genkos and uh, like a, a DMX dog collar at the time. Um, I was giving off the impression that I was a bad kid and I was not. <laughs> and so, yeah, they were just like, hey, this is kind of like a turning point for you. Because if you go into the summer like this and then enter next school year this way, like it's, that's a wrap, buddy. You can't come back from that. And so, <laughs> yeah, my, my social circle, all of my female friends were Gina's at the time and all of my guy friends were Eddie's. It was, and here's me. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. Don't fuck. <laughs> like I didn't belong in that group at all. And you right. found and you found your group because you found the rest of the records cast. <laughs> yeah, I I made it out because um, I, I looking back I was I was playing with fire, y'all. Like I I was in over my head, did not know what the hell I was doing. Needed a life jacket. <sighs> now um, that whole discussion does have me kind of thinking about uh, kind of the pace of this movie here, am I the only one who felt there were some pretty wild swings in tone as the movie every went like on? 20, every like 20 minutes or so, yeah. It'd be like, oh, we're having fun now, something serious. 20 minutes, <laughs> ah, now we're having fun, something serious. Yeah. I wish it was something less serious. Yeah. That's a good one. I, th I think it like matched kind of the, the angstiness of the time, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yes. And I think um, we, we talked before during the um, Save the Last Dance episode that they were just kind of like piling on heavy shit and it felt unnecessary. All yep. of the things they put on, at least in this one, I would say with the exception of Lucas being a bedwetter and being like abandoned by his mom. The rest of these serious elements at least felt like they made sense. Um, I mean, I, you know, we started off with a lot of fun. We have Corey and Gina having like a fun time in the car. There is the Eminem game to pick a song, That's, which I felt like I love it. Had I, I loved it. Had I watched this at the time, that would have been like fully adopted a regular part of my life. When I worked at the video game store, we would have used that to like pick whatever game we were going to play that day. Um, and then like right after that, we get Deb's suicide attempt and AJ has turned it in like a, like an after school special where he's, he's like, your life is worth living. Like <laughs> it just felt so serious. And then we jump right from that to um, one of my favorite scenes, which is the, the dance party to money. Yeah. Um, and this is my favorite version of money I've ever heard. It's by, uh, flying lizards. And, um, you know, I think, I think at this point we should probably, uh, jump into a quick mic check. Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check. One, two. Microphone check. One, two. I feel like at a minimum, uh, Dave and Nick, you guys are going to want to run roughshod over this one. A lot of these were songs that I loved in the movie, but did not really know super well. So I'm going to take a step back here a little bit and let you guys, um, the four of you, kind of go over this, this playlist a little bit here. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the one, the first song that really kind of hits me every time I see it is 
Queen Sarah Saturday seems is the one that uh, Mark picks when he wins the M and M draw. Um, because really everyone's just having a good time. It's good. They're just dusting off the, the CDs, doing what you got to do before the store opens. And it's just kind of a poppy, rocky pop rock song. And, uh, <laughs> just puts a smile on your face. I think the one that got me and basically when I was younger, I remember the movie just from the song. Well, and a montage was when they played plowed by sponge. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally one of my favorite, like, you know, 90s i don't know if you i guess you'd call it grunge songs but um that song like in the montage that they play just go perfect and i think that's what like i remember most about the movie and every time i hear the song i can literally see the movie in my head so that one was like my favorite by far yeah and i think they just like i think as you were saying like the tone keeps changing like every five seconds which i think is very true of teenagers so i think that's why it felt right to me but i think they like handled the tone changes by the music cues like i i remember Mm -hmm. like as i was taking my notes i was like such and such happened song such and like i would get like one bullet point and like a new song would come in and it just i just feel like it, it i don't know adds like a kind of sheltered like teenager from the burbs i think it like exposed me to music i wouldn't necessarily listen to because there's like hendrix in there and there's jim blossoms and there's like that queen sarah said there's just so many little things that like if you hear it you're like oh yeah it's that moment in um empire records and i know like um dire straits like romeo and juliet like i will always picture coming down the stairs and like dancing with the girl you know it's just it's all so perfect and it i think it helps relax the jarring nature of the constant change in tone and scenery is like okay this is it's like helping you out of one thing and into the next so i think it it's like such a good such a good soundtrack like video killed the meat like the uh, radio star like just such little things that i think just make it so so good yeah yeah and that sugar high song at the end like wait we're gonna get to the rave uh, shortly here, I think, but that the, the one um, song that I think really did resonate with me, and I, I think not even necessarily from like an oh I love this song kind of a thing, but like you could not have picked a more perfect song for the moment was uh, "Snake Face" by Throwing Muses, when mm. Corey is like sexily dancing around and getting ready to like give Rex his lunch. Um, that. We we had the same thing when they had the first song when you see um, Alicia Cuthbert's character in uh, Girl Next Door. Like that, that set that moment so perfectly. And that is a, a song I'd never heard before this movie. And it was perfection for that moment. It was really, really well placed, I feel like, in the movie. Yeah. yeah. ACDC 2 is always fun. That was so well. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, it like I just got like I got amps like listening to it at my house, um, and I also think like the this is the day the song that plays like I think when we were like starting this pod I was like quietly singing that to myself because like it's just <laughs> just them yeah, dancing fine. on the rooftop with the sun coming up and like you can just like I feel like there's like an accordion in it I don't know what that sound is but it's like it's very it's an accordion or a synth one of the two. Yeah, probably a synth, but it's just, yeah. yeah, it's just so perfect, I feel like. How do we end this? With a dance party, obviously, to a song I'd never heard before, but really like now. Yeah, That's right? Good. Like, well, it was perfect. Well, and a second ago, you mentioned If You Want Blood, and uh, 
immediately after that happens, we get another crazy swing. That's when shit gets heavy. Yeah, so we, we, the If You Want Blood dance party is so much fun. And even though Warren almost ruins it by like jumping up and moshing to himself, basically in the middle of that scene, immediately following that, we have Devin Burko's dark conversation. Warren gets arrested. Deb and Joe have a listening booth heart to heart. Corey gets grossed out by Rex. AJ blows up at Corey. Corey blows up at Gina. And Corey starts taking pills. All of those things happen like in a line after that fun fucking dance party scene. Dana, I think you had a good point. That is kind of what it's like to be a teenager, where it's just like extreme highs and lows kind of back to back. But it is a little bit jarring, I think, to see as a grown up. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, you know, it was easy breezy, like low stakes, you're getting to meet these kids, and we're like slowly getting to learn more about them. Maybe in the extended version, it doesn't just jump right to this. <laughs> but yeah, like there are little things, but like when you see Corey with the pills, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense, because she's a kid who's going to Harvard, and her dad's really intense. So she like, I think they also just like, give you quick little things that like help it's not, to me, it didn't feel super dark. Maybe I've also seen this movie 8 million times. So it's like, I'm not, right. you know, taken aback by it. Yeah, yeah, so you know it's coming. But at the same time, it's like, they've given you, a, like, enough little, like, offhanded comments that you can be like, oh, okay, that makes sense for some of this stuff. Still the Lucas and Joe being father and son or whatever the hell that was. Bro, that was... Um, still makes no sense to me. But I feel like the rest of it, like, you all know, we all know, like, the goth girl with the piercings who's like super intent you know like I think we all knew some of these archetypes so mm -hmm. it was easy to like make those jumps with them and I actually forgot that like this is representative of gen x culture oh yeah and yeah. um yeah. sort of the, the archetypes and stereotypes and like like at the time I was like we're you know we're elder millennials so you like you kind of got it a little bit into, you know, our, our generation, but like truly stepping back, it's like exactly how sort of everyone is, you know, interpreted of the Gen X culture. It's the same thing if you watch Daria, like yeah. the characters in Daria are such Gen X archetypes that it's not, yeah. I love Daria, but that is not a millennial show. That is a show for like young Gen Xers basically. No, you just look at Corey. Corey pretty much dresses like Daria. If you think. She wears the, the skirt, the boots, and she has a sweater <laughs> instead of whatever that jacket was that Daria wore. But I was like, first thing I thought when, when I saw her in that outfit, I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, this is Gen X personified right here. Pretty it's a little cool. bit yeah. a, a sexier Daria because it's like a, uh, shorter. a little shorter skirt. You know, a little shorter skirt, well, but hey. Well, sexy well, Daria is just Jane. I mean, Jane is sexy Daria. Okay. Yeah. Our Blossom. Anyway, it's definitely not surprising. The soundtrack did way better than the movie because the music was yeah. just, it, this did not connect with people at all. It made less than That's a million dollars. It was box. too real then. Way too real. Too, <laughs> way too real. I don't know if maybe it was more like, so like, yeah, I think Megan, your, your comment about like Gen X makes sense because like, my brothers are Gen X and I'm an like elder millennial. And I think there's a part of me that's just like, man, Gen X just seems so cool. And I think it was like something that like you wished because it was like so defined that I think for me, since I'm also like a little bit older than you guys, I'm like, oh, that would have been a really cool thing to be a part of. So I think there's that little bit of, I think it hits a little bit more with us because you remember it being so cool. And now like 
now that we're millennials, like, I still don't really know what the fuck that means. Or, like, if we have a cool thing related to us, I don't think so. So I don't think we do. So. Mostly just, I, it's economic crashes and have, having to well, rebuild over again. We had, we had a cool thing related to us, and then Mark Zuckerberg ruined it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, that could have been a cool millennial thing, and then we saw what that turned into. Um, but have now, you seen Big Pimpin' video? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, we. I, I do think that um, a lot of our cool stuff is also musically related. Um, but I think the most millennial music like that that is specific to us is like the rap rock era, which is not a great high point of music. But terrible. No. listen, I'm giving it I can back. still I enjoy Limp Biscuit. I can no. still enjoy Limp Biscuit. I. You know, it's. I'm not gonna sincerely enjoy it, but it's fun to to put on every once in a while. I was supposed to play him this summer, but I got canceled. Right. Because we get it all. Fred Durst is fifty. Oh, <laughs> Dude is fifty. And he directs old. movies now. He made a terrible. He, one with, he made a terrible one with John Travolta. Everybody check it out. I, I forgot what it's called, but yeah. just look up John Travolta Fred Durst on Google, and you're gonna find something pretty ridiculous. I'd also like to point out he's 50 now, which means he was 30 when Nookie came out, which like if you're oh. 30 and that song you're singing, like you, you fucked up. Yeah. That's a that's a song for a 20-year-old to sing. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a very funny pod that I listen to where they like make, they kind of like, it's called Pump Up the, Punch Up the Jam, where they like dissect songs and then try to make it better. And they did Nookie and it was, it makes like no sense. It is like when you go line by line, that song is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, it's I could I could I'm not going to, but I can do it right now. It is please, no, please a don't. nonsense song. I'm not gonna. I'll we'll make a bonus episode. Now, I did mention earlier that this um, this movie makes me kind of pine away for the days of like when indie retail stores were still a thing, and you might know the people that work there, and you're there a whole lot to hang out. Does anybody have any like favorite indie retail stores from back in the day? There was a store at the mall that I really liked. Uh, used to, there was a candy store called By the Way. Do you guys remember By oh, the By the Way? Way was legit. And it's just the old school. You'd be like, I just want some gummy cherries. They'd give you a clear plastic bag, fill it up, weigh it. That was nice. And there were a couple record stores. If you ever been to Batavia, Kiss the Sky Records, one of, one of oh. the last like cool indie record places. We used to go to shows there sometimes. And, uh, I guess it's not really indie per se. There are a couple locations, but Disc Replay, CDs, Movies, and Games. Yeah, Disc Replay, uh, word to Bobby Lash, who worked there for 45 years or whatever. (laughs) For me, um, the one that came to mind the most was a store in Fox Valley Mall uh, called Mr. Rags. Um, (laughs) I think it might have been a chain. It might have been more than just that one, but uh, my brother, when he was older, he must have been like, 17 and he worked there um mr rags was the coolest fucking store like it had you can get like a lot of echo shit there when echo was still like a a, an up-and-coming brand a lot of johnny blaze but they also sold like um like b-boy videos so when i was first learning how to break dance they would have like just battle vhs's you could buy there for like 20 bucks or whatever so i had a bunch of those um, that I still own. I can't play them in anything, but I have old VHSs. They also had like old skateboarding videos and inline skating videos, um, live concert videos where there were a lot. And it was just like 
the coolest fucking place. I, I would go there and hang out for like hours and the workers knew me because Chris worked there. But I used to love that place. Like I, I didn't even think about it for many years until I started thinking about like what stores I miss. That was super high on my list. Does the Goodwill in Aurora count? Sure. Yeah. Fuck it. I mean, back then, yeah. Yeah. We used, no, to yeah. Drive, we used to drive out there, and I forget, like, what day of the week. Maybe it was Saturday or whatever. Or maybe they just did it all the time. But they would, like, color code their sales, and then you could get, like, a shit ton of, like, T-shirts. Um, oh, they had those little, like, stickers, right? Yeah. Little, yeah, I yeah. remember that. Bobby Clausen and I and like some other of friends, we'd, yeah, we'd go out there and just like, yeah. yeah, just hang out and get all, get all of our shit. My Where's mom would be like, you're going to Aurora? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> call the authorities. Was that Goodwill or Village Discount? Ah, uh, Village Discount, Di- yes. Village Discount, you're right. Yeah, it was Village. Oh, I, I remember that one. It was like a little off, off, off the beaten path, but they always it had was. some interesting stuff. Interesting. Fun belt buckles in Village back in the day when yeah. I used to wear a belt yeah. with an interchangeable buckle on it. Was a lot of cool stuff there. Too long. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've mentioned previously that um, some of us had some pretty uh, silly jobs when we were in high school and college. Um, Megan worked at Applebee's for a while, and we talked about her coworkers and her boss there. Uh, Dave, I believe, used to work at Sports Authority. Um, anybody have any specifically fun or eccentric coworkers from back in the day that might've fit in well with this crew of misfits? Uh, I got one. Uh, yeah, I kind of like Megan. I worked at a restaurant. I worked at legends in, uh, Des Moines. Um, legends was like brand new. It was like the big sports bar. Everybody wanted to go to, um, they're still around, but I think they only got one left. Uh, I had a guy I worked with named Steven. Um, Steven worked there for two weeks and got fired. Um, (laughs) I believe the customer's name was Fuchs, F-U-C-H. They did not hear their call (laughs) twice for their table. So Steven decided, I'm going to get on the PA and I'm going to yell, not Fuchs. It was another word as loud as he could. You can say fuck, it's fine. Oh, yeah. He just screamed, fuck, party of four. Um, and our manager, Abby, ran from the back, grabbed him by the arm, and literally ran him out the door. And I didn't see Steven again for like three years. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. yeah see, that, that, was, that was Gina hopping on the PA to do the play-by-play of the shoplifter chase, which I think we should talk about in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone is Applebee's. See, and I, I believe everyone. that. Yeah. I never worked at a restaurant, but from all my friends who have, it's just like, yeah, it's everyone there is a disaster, more or less. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I worked at that video game store, which was chock full of weirdos. And I wish I remembered some of their names because we had, I mean, that was a, a crew of, you know, some legit out of left field people. But when I was uh, working at Guitar Center, um, it was exactly the people you would imagine were working at Guitar Center. We had two Ians. There was Evil Ian. Uh, who ran the warehouse. He was a little squirrely looking fella. And then there was a uh, good Ian who was the nicest person I've ever met. He played every instrument and played them all super well. Um, Nick, you might know he was in, um, I think he still is in uh surf zombies. Um, oh yeah. They still play around every once in a while. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I think he plays guitar for them. 
Um, but he's the best. And then there was also Chloe, uh, who ran the accessories department. She was a horse girl, um, would routinely come into work wearing fairy wings. She was caught having sex with the store director in the back room uh, by his wife. Um, the store director's name was Andrew. He, was, uh, he used to be in a ska band and was still pining for the days when ska would make a triumphant comeback. Wait, um, was this like an approach? Like, was there like a, a like a disparity in age here? Like, was oh, yeah. hella inappropriate? Oh god. Yeah, I don't know how old Chloe was. I think she was probably like twenty, and Andrew, I mean, he would have been late thirties. Um, yeah, and yeah. at Applebee's, he had seventeen and mid thirties. So. <laughs> Yeah, she, I think, I mean, I, I saw her uh, buy alcohol once. So she must have been at least like 21. Okay. Um, but I mean, it was it, a grosser couple you could not imagine. The two of them together was not one good, y'all. Um, and then uh, the, a story similar to the one that Nick had, there was this dude, Forrest. Forrest was another like real squirrel looking dude. Uh, he replaced Evil Ian after Evil Ian got a DUI and got fired. Um, Forrest was there for like a month. He was super serious and was like a real asshole. No one liked him. And he wound up getting himself a DUI. And during that DUI, cops found a shitload of crack rocks in his car. So he um, also got fired. So yeah, that, that whole crew God. was just, there was, there were others I couldn't think of. There was a dude we named, we called Chops because he had big old mutton chops. Hmm. Um, uh, Jay Hay was a guy that worked there who worked in our guitar department. <sighs> Ryan was cool. He, he was the uh, lead guitarist for Dr. Z's Experiment, which is like a jazz fusion band. Everyone there was exactly the kind of weirdo you'd think would work at a guitar center in Iowa. It was quite a crew. We mentioned a second ago that there was a shoplifting chase. I think we should take a couple of minutes and recognize not only the scene itself, but uh, Warren Beatty. Um, what, what did we all think of the character and the acting that Warren Beatty was doing in this movie? And for those who haven't known, it's not the actor Warren Beatty. Dude just called himself that. <laughs> did. Um, I mean, if everyone thought Lucas was an insane person, <laughs> or a psychopath, or a sociopath, yeah. um, Warren is next level. Yep. His laugh alone, I think, qualifies him for psychopath. He's an escalator, constantly escalating. Just, I, I'll get arrested, but you know what? This criminal justice <laughs> system, oh, I will definitely be back, 100%. You count on it. Uh, this dude got arrested three times in one day and kept on coming back to the scene of the crime each time. And the police were like, there's not much they can do to him. I'm like, what? Can <laughs> what the fuck? That's, uh, yeah, I guess he's probably supposed to be a child. He seems like he's like a late teenager, mid-teenager maybe, but yeah, he's, he's an idiot. He's a child. God. I feel like the directors almost wanted him to be like a Beavis or Butthead. Like, yeah, they didn't fit that role. I mean, he showed up with the gun that uh, Jack Nicholson used in uh, the first Batman. This gun yes. was a cougar magnum. I mean, it was a hand cannon. It was bigger than him. Mm. Yeah, he, he shot up, even if it was blank, <laughs> which I'm... I mean, he shot up a record store after already being arrested that day. 
Like if this was like in present day, he would be in jail for like ever. My God. I mean, yeah, he, he shot at Joe's face point blank. Like this was, I mean, some legit madness. And then Joe gave him a job. He just wanted to work there. He just wanted to be cool. It is like predecessor of, oh no, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. Um, Careful. <laughs> but um, I just, he just wanted to hang out with the cool kids. Like we all want that. No, it's just like Warren. Use your words. Don't bring guns to places. Don't steal things. Use your words. You want a job, and then say you want a job. To see him show up on the rooftop dance party at the end, I'm like, yeah, he probably has a bomb this time. He's not somebody you want to have like hanging around. No, he's, he's a dangerous, the, dangerous person. He's part of the team now. He has the job. It's all good. He he's good he's job. nonviolent now because now he gets to work at Empire Records. Oh. Wow. I mean, I, I don't want to burst his bubble, but record stores don't kind of last that much longer after this movie ends. So. That's what I was, I was going to say. Whenever, when, when Joe's talking about buying it, I'm like, dude, you got like eight years. <laughs> and what the fuck are you doing? Napster yeah. is right around the corner, man. It's, it's all fucked. crashing down quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, I think that's like the hard part to watch now. It's just that like, <laughs> we don't need yeah. these things anymore. Like, what a, what a relic. What a... Buy Buy some, buy some Apple stock, motherfucker. Don't uh, right. Don't buy a goddamn record store. A two-story record store. I still get asked like weekly. Do you guys have CDs here? Like no. What? No. I mean, for what? Do you need a coaster or? I mean, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> like I don't. My other friend Dana, um, the one in Kansas City, she still buys CDs from like Hi. albums i i don't understand what you can get albums on itunes you can listen to them on spotify or I just go megan style and listen to them on youtube yeah it's also an, an option that you have god that's wild but but but, uh, but i want them to sound bad with like not enough bass <laughs> so i want a cd, a CD. <laughs> records are cool though that was like a really geeky moment actually when um it was a burko that was like going into the weeds on records versus cds and they, it happens multiple times a lot yeah. of them do it i think that was yeah. eddie it was either eddie, eddie, or eddie, or right. eddie, eddie. well, yeah, well eddie. eddie does it eddie does it but also in that in that opening scene lucas does it where it's like oh you shouldn't buy that on c you should buy that on vinyl to that 40 year old woman who wanted to buy an album at four in the morning yeah like it's who wanted to shit on her husband, who was a truck driver, because he ruined her dreams of being a ballerina, and then never comes back up. Um, now, I, we we talked a second ago um, about Sugar High uh, with Burko and Renee Zellweger. I think we should really kind of talk about um, the rave scene here, because I think that's kind of the culminating scene of the movie. Um, my first thought was, uh, if you know, this was a world with smartphones and social media. That whole scene of like getting people to come to the rave would have been super different. I had a hard time believing that Mark could be on the news for 15 seconds and then get thousands of people to show up like that because are they all just watching the news live at 10? It couldn't have been shared around on anything. And I mean, that was a little bit odd to me. Um, but yeah, if this was a world where it was like, oh, just, I'll post a tweet or whatever, that would have made a lot more sense to get that huge of a crowd to show up. 
and by alcohol and drugs on the street, just out in the open. Yep, that sounds that sounds good. A nice open air drug market. That's <laughs> that's like good. Them selling beer like would not be legal. Like there's so many parts no. of that that I was just like, oh, as an adult, I realize not like they would have like probably lost their ability to have a store or something. I don't. They know could have the gotten, laws, but they had the option to try to get a permit. But Joe's like, ah, forget it. Forget the permit. Let's just do it because nothing bad will happen to us. Wait, they did? What? Is this in the extended cut that I've never no, seen? No, they talk no. about it. They, no, no, that, that they mentioned this that. Cut. This is extended cut. No, that, that's in the regular one too where they mentioned the that. Cut? Like, well, okay. yeah, Joe's like, well, we can't sell beer on the street. We don't have a, a permit. And then everyone's like, oh, come on, Joe. And he's like, let's break the law. Right. Come on. <laughs> <All right. laughs> let's sell beer to probably children that. and not check any IDs. Let's just do it. Yeah. Don't worry about that, it. That was odd to me. Um, it feels like Joe's first act as a business owner is going to be paying back like hefty fines to the city for all of this because they shut down a city block. You know they had noise violations at this fucking thing. As you said, selling what? all kinds of what beer. What city is this in? Streets. I think it's meant to be know. Delaware. Delaware. So yeah, there's a Delaware to, license plate, I think. Yeah, so you can get to Atlantic City pretty quickly from Delaware. So that's right. why it's also like, there's not a lot going on in Delaware. People are like, what? A party? Yeah, we're there. Like, there's not, they all go to, like, the same casino. Because I've, I've been to Dover, Delaware, guys. Ain't a lot going on down there. Yeah. So, I think that's where Bobby Clawson's from, is uh, Dover, Delaware. I think that's where he was born at. I think it's somewhere in Delaware. I think it's Dover. But yeah, so um, I think it's, you know, there's not much else to do. Let's go to a screen go. door factory. Go to Rehoboth. Right. Rehoboth. Am I doing hey the right guys, we're in... Delaware. Hi. <laughs> I'm in Delaware. It's also uh, weird, too, though, because when uh, Rex Manning is entering the building, she says, oh, do it doesn't matter. Middle America loves you. I was like, right. You're in Delaware. That's not the middle of anything. Right. I, uh, middle of the state of Delaware. I don't, I don't know. Perhaps. Atlantic? I don't know. In Atlantic. Oh, it just isn't That's really a, a thing, but okay. Does your back hurt from that reach? <laughs> <laughs> I did pull something. Okay. There you go. I'm going to be aching um, for days. I, I will say, I genuinely loved the Sugar High performance. I loved the song. I thought it was a great one. I'm sad that I didn't know it before, you know, a few months ago. And uh, Renee Zellweger is so cute, like, bopping around up there on the roof. I've never, I've never had a thing for Renee Zellweger, but, like, watching her this movie, like, I get it. I... I had a question her in this role because she was a lot of fun. I mostly know her as like Gold Mountain, but like to see her in this. Wait, what? Was have, that? have you not have you not seen Cold Mountain? Dude, no. no. never seen Cold Mountain. She was badass in that. She was badass. <laughs> she was badass in Ruby Twos. I, I know she had a mental condition. I know her from like Bridget Jones's Diaries. So and like this Chicago is, and Jerry Maguire. Before she was in Jerry Maguire. This is a year before. And I've never seen that either. I, yeah, I, I seen that. mostly know her from Cole Mountain. Show what? me the money, Brian. Show me I, the I'm money. I'm aware. I'm aware of Jerry Maguire, Dave. I just have not seen the film. You're going to get on me for not seeing Cold Mountain and you haven't seen Jerry Maguire? Take Cold it back. Mountain won an Oscar. <laughs> I think it won a couple of Oscars. So did uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. won an Oscar for his role oh. in Jerry Maguire. Boy, he's a problematic figure nowadays. I know. I was like, oh, I should um, bring that up, but I mean, we've done two Nick Cannon movies. We're we're yeah. swimming in it at this point. But uh, 
the moment where she's like, oh no, I have to sing lead. Well, here it goes. I thought that was very cute, um, very relatable. I liked her a lot. Um, also felt, I, I took some notes on the attendees of this rave because they're kind of all over the goddamn place. So we've got some old ladies with rollers in their hair. Yes. Some fully unaccompanied children. They might've been like 10 or 11 years old. There are some riot girls in Music Town aprons. There are some hot girls in a Jeep that pull up. Uh, two different groups of stoners. There are some metalheads and then some skaters who full on bring a half pipe. <laughs> so like, this was, I mean, this was the party of the century apparently. And it's a shock the cops didn't come to this thing because they'd been there multiple times that day already. And they advertised this party live on the air during an arrest. Yeah. So you would have thought the cops would have kind of had their ear to the ground on this thing and at a minimum get a noise complaint. I feel like the cops were still there probably. <laughs> and we're just like, whatever. This place is about to be bought by Music City. Let's let them have a last hurrah. This That's place fair. is about to be turned into a Apple store in a few years. Yeah. So. Yeah. The rent in this neighborhood's going to go through the roof. Yeah. I think they were just letting them. Everybody loves uh, Empire Records. It's an institution. It's about to close. Let's let them go out with a bang. I think that's what happens. So at the end of this rave, we do have the famous kiss scene uh, between Corey and AJ. And I think it's time that we delve into some love at first semester. Uh, what did we all think of their whole relationship, both the buildup and kind of the culmination here at the end? Um, I, it, it was tough. Like it was, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was tough. Um, cause like I wrote it down that I'm like, the line he says to her when she's like freaking out up on the roof, is just like, I knew I loved you when you wore that skirt that I hated. And oh. like, I, I really, I, I still love you even though you're wearing a horrible skirt. I was like, what? That's. He's got, He's got zero game. He's not also, good. Point out. When he That's was after he rehearsed. Yeah. When he was practicing his pickup lines, I wrote down the one where he said, You make me feel like a bath. Yeah, you make like a warm <laughs> bath? I, I just one of the thoughts that I had, because obviously as a guy, I have a different perspective here. I wanted to quick ask uh, Megan and Dana, if a dude you'd never been on a date with, had never kissed, jumps right out with I love you. When you're 17, is that work for either one of you two? Or is that like a, oh, God, this is the reddest of flags? Now, red flag. I don't know <laughs> what me as a 17-year-old. Like, I honestly, she, she's a, she was a much different person. Um, right. But, yeah, it is just super weird. But, like, you know, they have known each other for a very long. And, like, he, obviously, he thinks it's love. So, like, that's he also, thinks so. we have that, like, hindsight of, you know, when you're however old AJ is, because that also remains unclear. The only person who 42. I know, yeah, like the only person you really know who like kind of how old they are is Corey because she's about right. to graduate high school or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I think I'd be like, okay, you think you love me, but you like have never interacted with me outside of work, it seems like. Like they've never, it doesn't even sound like they've hung out outside of work. No. Well, they said I don't they think he has her phone friend. number. They said they were best friends. So like that, that I, is true. I could totally see this because 
not that it exactly happened to me, but I feel like some of the guys that I dated in high school that I maybe mentioned before on a couple of pods, it's like they, we were like friends or we like knew of each other for a really long time. And they like, didn't say like, I love you before we like dated or before we went out, but it was like very clear. I, I think the point of like not saying that they loved you before is like I think that's the big <laughs> distinction. Of like that, that's that's my opening. Uh, I love you. Will you go on a date with me? Like what? Like that's just like a weird resist the I love you at first meeting, yeah. if at all I mean, possible. <laughs> well, the the other part to kind of go along with that, if they're okay, so if they're best friends, as we have just said, and he thinks he's in love with her. Why is this fool totally incapable of reading her emotions whatsoever? She's openly weeping and begging him to not do this. And he's like, I'm just going to go ahead and lower my shoulder and barrel right through this. Like, because he had to do it by 137. It, he, he was set on the clock. He had it. No, dude, it's all about him, man. He's a yes. 20 something year old guy. It's all about getting done what he needs to get done. And it didn't really seem to matter that she was like weeping or yeah. having, she's, having, she's having a bit of a moment in distress. Yeah. <laughs> like didn't matter at all. I, I can think of times where it's like, I have made up my mind because I think we've established that I was a, a girl crazy disaster all through high school. There are times when like I have wanted to, I've built up my mind. Today is the day I'm going to tell whatever girl it is this month that I'm into her. And like, if I see that the timing is terrible because she's crying or mad or like in a hurry, I'm like, all right, well, not right now. Like I'll maybe tomorrow. Yeah. yeah I don't think was... he had a lot of like, um, what do you call that? Social skills. Like he was like, glu- <laughs> he was like gluing coins to the ground. Coins to the floor. Yeah. He's yeah. artistic. He's like artistic person. Yeah, I'm artistic. I don't do weird shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the running theme of this movie. Like, none of these kids are normal, quote unquote. Or, like, they all have something. But it's just, yeah. Like, I think, like, to me, that's a sign that, like, he doesn't, he's not actually in, he's in love with the idea of Corey, but not actually in love with her. The fact that she's freaking out and he's just got to, like, I got to say this. Like, fuck your feelings. It's all about mine right now. Like, it just. Yeah. And yeah. pocket watch too. He carries a pocket, <sighs> pocket watch. I just fucking pocket yeah. watch. Is that what that was? I jeans. thought it was a chain. No, it, it was, was a chain. pocket watch on a chain. At the end, I'm like, ah. Oh. How do you think yeah. you keep track of the pocket watch, Megan? Right. You gotta clip it on a chain. <laughs> of course, How you carry you know a pocket the watch. On time. I thought it was I mean, a wall. You're one of those dudes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I had a pocket watch for a very little amount of time. That I used to wear like a suit only. Yes, and me even too. then I'm like, this thing is not too. fucking feasible. Like this is a terrible, right. <laughs> this is an awful thing to carry around all the time. Wait, I wrote down AJ's silver chain, and I do oh, not realize that it's it connected. To a pocket watch. I thought it yes. was yep. a wallet chain because that was a no. thing back then. Yes, that yes. was a thing. He might have two chains. Anybody? No. No. <laughs> yeah, too far. <laughs> Uh, so the other, the other thing that was on my mind about their whole relationship here, um, what do we feel about AJ kissing her when she's clearly suffering some kind of a medical episode at the end of the movie here? I thought she, I thought that he screwed up with the electrical on the sign and she was, (laughs) 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 she 
she was kind of like, oh, oh. But, but eventually she just kind of reacts in, 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 in more of a happy way, like, oh, this is okay. But, <laughs> but I, I I mean, she collapses on him like four times. Yep, One time is like, but yeah. so the first time, I'm like, okay, I'm overcome by emotion. After that, I'm like, you should call an ambulance. Like, yeah. she's, she's eaten a lot of pills today, and she is <laughs> incapable of standing up on her own right now. Like, Ugh. don't make out with her. Call help. True. That's also kind of something. I, I will, yeah, I don't even think, I was, like, watching at the end, I'm like, do they ever actually kiss? Because I think he's just trying to hold her up, like, the whole entire <laughs> time. It's just, like, damn, Liv, like, who, who's direction was that but when you said like she it's been a long limp. yeah it's been a long day she's taken a lot of pills that's also where like <laughs> what are the hours these kids work like they are They're there forever. yeah like they work, yeah it's like a ridiculous at least a 12-hour shift which i don't think is yeah. legal or to i be, guess maybe they took breaks to be fair they did take breaks because they went to lunch and we skipped over my favorite up my favorite scene when Liv Tyler takes off her bra in the middle of the lunch. Oh, yeah. Well, it takes off, takes off Gina's bra. Takes off Gina's bra. Gives it back to her. Gives Wait. it back to her and then leaves it there. When, <laughs> when Eddie, is it Eddie who comes? Yeah, to yeah it's Eddie. And he goes, you forgot your thingy. <laughs> he he has bra. no idea what a bra is, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, that was... That was a whole thing. Um, anyway, but I think, so they take breaks, but also um, Corey was there early. Like she wasn't even supposed to start. Right. She <laughs> was there because she was there for Rex Manning Day. She right. wanted to be there for that. But like, but like when I worked. Everybody, I mean, everybody was there all day. I everybody was there all day. Everyone wanted to be there for Rex Manning Day. And that's actually not true. Um, they, Burko came later. Eddie came later. Uh, Mark was there at open. Mark Mark's was there, there at, at open, open, but he's on. Did drugs. a lot of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> a, it just seems like guar moment. Yeah, like there's no. It doesn't seem like no one's running the ship, and I'm amazed that 100%. Empire Records is still profitable. Well, I guess it really wasn't. That's why Mitch sold it. But it just seemed right. like it was chaos. OSHA should have stepped in at some point. He, he's a superb manager. Before we leave the love of it for a semester, I do want to mention there's two other what I think are relationships, and maybe it's because I've watched this movie 87 times, but um, I think Deb and Burko had a thing. Because should, I don't know what was up with those two. They had something. Yeah, there was like something going on because Deb was like, it's not you, it's me. I'm the one who's messed up. And he was like, no, baby. And it was, <laughs> I don't know. It was just like a very good thing. And then I also think Jane and Joe had a thing. Oh, they for sure had a thing. Yeah, uh, so did they know each other before she comes by for no. next Manning Day? I think they no. did. You think so? I think they did. From back I, when I he know. was a drummer or something, and they like met when she was well, like no, he, an intern doing he, record label stuff? I, I don't know. He has and to he, explain that he used to be a musician and uh, a pretty good one, as he says. Okay. Uh, See, they, they for sure had a thing which kind of threw me because her aggressive under-eye mascara, I felt, was disturbing. Um, <laughs> she had, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, eyelid makeup. There was, like, a lot of under-the-eye, which might have been a thing in the mid-90s, but it, with her, as light as her eyes were, I was distracted the whole time she was on screen. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't was... catch that, but. Oh. <laughs> I caught that, but I definitely think there's a backstory because even though he said I used to be a musician, I think it was like she knew that he used to be a musician and he knew that mm. she used to be something more interesting and then they became uninteresting people. And I think that's why Joe still hangs around with a bunch of teenagers because that was, that is my big question because teenagers are still trying, are like, they're less kind of jaded by the real life and they're sort of just doing what they want and doing their own thing. Mm. And I think they knew each other back in that day. You know, that, that would make a little bit more sense for why she would just like quit her job on a whim. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of thought that it was like they met that day. Um, just kind of based on, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't seem like they had much, like when she walks into his office to have a conversation with him, he seemed like surprised that she wanted to get to know him and stuff. So maybe... Yeah, I think I you can know. like read it either way. Like maybe it's they haven't seen each other in a while. Um, and yeah, like I just think it's, you could, I think I there's like that. stuff where like, you know, sometimes you talk about it where something's introduced and you felt like they wanted to get to it and they never got a chance. Like I feel like this might be one of those things that's like on the cutting room floor where we got the backstory. But yeah, like I think you could read it either way. Certainly so we have we need a Zack Snyder cut of Empire. We do, as always. We need, need everything. Yeah, a three-hour cut. Uh, well, At least the it. director's oh. cut. <laughs> so um, we've, we've talked about a lot of these characters here. One thing we haven't really gotten into uh, are some of the looks that they are pulling off in this movie. So let's real quick uh, dip into some frosted tips and butterfly clips. <whistles> Megan, uh, what look caught your eye this week? You're picking me first because I haven't decided. That's right. I'm putting you on the spot. But I'm just going to go ahead and say, you already kind of spoiled my, you stole my thunder. Um, I'm going to say Liv Tyler's look, though. Yeah. Like, the, okay. the whole thing. Um, like, the, that fuzzy sweater that was, like, cropped and, like, super uncomfortable. Like, I remember those sweaters. And I definitely it have. It looked itchy. Yeah, it look, looked itchy. It was itchy. It never fit right. I don't think it was supposed to, but it didn't look good on me. And then you have like the pleated skirt, which is also like pretty in. Um, and then you have like, obviously the, um, I actually don't know if those were like docks or not, but like. I would bet. Yeah. Like the doc, like Doc Martens are huge. And you yeah. know, that was somebody, something everyone had back in the day. I was going to choose AJ's look. But when you told me it was a pocket watch chain and not <sighs> a wallet chain, I detracted. You made the right call. A pocket watch, like a dick. But I have a, uh, whole, I have a whole section here on. Oh, look at all that. Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, her look was very much of a time. I think it makes perfect sense for her to be like dead center of the poster. Um, yeah, she was for sure sexy Daria. Well, sexy Dana. It was like innocent girl meets like, that's what I was saying. Like, I feel like everyone was like, had this persona they thought they had to be, but like didn't really want to be that person. And her mm -hmm. outfit was like entirely representative of it because like the top portion, like the baby blue, like the sweater was like the good girl look. 
and then kind of the pleated skirt, but it was a little too short and a little too low. And then she has like the bad girl boots on. So it, it was like very representative, I think, of like all of their characters, especially hers. Well, and also to keep a trend going, she also had on gigantic underpants. Oh, those underpants? Those... Yes. Oh, Haven't we God. talked about terrible underpants? Yeah. Podcast? This is like the third or fourth movie in a row with just enormous panties on these women. It's it's a bad look. Just like white? They're not even like... No. There's something fun about them. They're utilitarian. Oh my gosh. They're, they're there to work. Uh, well, Dana... that skirt was very short and flouncy. <laughs> like, you gotta make sure but the like, goods are covered. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you wear dark... The same, like, the same dark colors of the skirt. Like, we would have seen... You know what? Even like some bike shorts would have been okay under that because it was the '90s. Not like you know your Carissa explains it all down to the knee, but like some like some what do you call those? The like the cheerleading shorts would have been fine underneath that to make you know. It, I was I was yes I was shocked shocked when I saw the skirt come down and she had on Hanes briefs. Uh, Dana, what look uh, did you want to talk about this week? Um. I think he's a character we haven't talked about a lot. I just really liked Eddie. He seemed to be the only one constantly changing. Like, and I felt like, is it like, I think at one point he had like a, they look like bowling shirts, but it also had like a pizza logo. And I was like, does he work at the pizza place when he's not working at the pizza shop? I think so. But he had a second job as a pizza delivery guy and he was coming to work his second shift at the record store. But then he had like, I think he was working both at the same time. Because he brought the food out, didn't he, for Gina and Corey at their lunch? He was definitely there. So, yeah, he definitely just had, like, he had to change. And then for some reason, at some point, he just puts on a tie. Like, a really horrible, (laughs) like, 1970s tie that's, like, super ugly over one of his, like, short sleeve bowling shirts. And it it makes no sense, but he's just wearing a tie. I don't know. I just liked Eddie's vibe. He just seemed to kind of always be like breezing in and out. And I felt like his clothing was like a reflection of that because it was like light and airy. Accurate. I liked Eddie. Nick, what look did you want to talk about this week? So I wanted to talk about uh, Burko. Um, I think he lends so much credibility to the movie just because he's like the rocker punk guy. And he fits it perfectly he wears black jeans every you know whether you're a roadie or a stagehand or something you're probably wearing black jeans uh the only weird part about his look is he has on like a velvet uh, or like crushed velvet kind of shirt uh where he cut the sleeves off like a satin um he probably got it like a secondhand store which makes perfect sense if you're a musician you have no money so yeah and he wears it open the whole time he got jewelry on he has um bracelets i think he has a chain at one point too so um his look in the movie just gives it more credibility that like hey this is the cutting edge you know punk type dude that's going to work at a record store and it makes it a little bit more like believable yeah he fit into that short that store i think better than anybody else like that i would trust him to give me recommendations on music without a doubt well and also Uh, as a musician I mean, it's kind of stupid, but like when you hear about Jimi Hendrix, he he had a guitar on all the time. There's stories about Jimi Hendrix being in a bar with a guitar on. Right. Erko was literally walking through the back room with a guitar strap on (laughs) and his Gibson just swinging around hitting shit. So yeah, reckless. Yeah, you know that he just like likes to play all day. He doesn't even really want to be there. Very reckless with his rig. Uh, Dave, what look caught your eye? 
Uh, I thought Gina was dressed uh, in an interesting manner. She wore a nice uh, orange apron. She didn't wear it correctly, but she wore it well. Um, well she wore it correctly. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like upside down. Uh, Brian, I'm sorry I have to tell you this. You're supposed to wear clothes under an apron. You're not supposed to be nude under it, or mostly nude. Um, and uh, yeah, she uh, she dances, and it was it was good. And uh, when she says, "Welcome to Music Town," may I service you? I'm like, oh Jesus. Yeah, may I service you to Rex Manning, who she later services. But for the rest of the movie, she wears pretty much what uh, Liv Tyler does with a probably a slightly more comfortable, like a cardigan instead of a scratchy sweater, which uh, she's probably a little more comfortable than Liv Tyler was. I would, I would assume so. It seemed like, um, like a, a cotton poly blend yeah. on, that, uh, on that cardigan. Now, uh, for me, I wanted to talk about um, my least favorite character in the movie, unfortunately. That is Lucas. Um, he's got, he's got a, a Caesar haircut, um, which was big, big, big in the mid-90s, thanks to uh, George Clooney, who was rocking a Caesar in ER. Um, just seeing that on him, I'm like, oh, that is, that's a look that you don't see that often nowadays. Then he's also got a black cable knit turtleneck that I feel like Sterling Mallory Archer would call a tactile neck, like a tactical turtleneck he has on. He's also got on a black leather jacket over that turtleneck inside, so I know he was hot as shit. Um, very sensible light blue dad jeans, which I think were, you know, a, a cool look at the time. Then he also has on um, some black vans with like white detailing and white laces. All the other employees are wearing fun stuff and it looks like he's dressed up to go stalk somebody. Like he's wearing clothes that Joe would wear in you. This is a Joe starter kit for sure. Yeah, just, you just put the ball what, what's what's the the ski mask called? Is it a ball uh, club? You just yeah. put that on and he's ready to go robbing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like a cat burglar setup. Like he's <laughs> it's, he's gonna commit crime. Creeping through the shadows. Yeah. Cat burglar slash beatnik. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah, he yeah. was he you know he like Jack Kerouac. Whoa, I, man. I, literally, I literally thought Beatnik, which is like actually a nice connection back to um, Mitchell was talking about his dad started, had changed this, whatever the previous business had been. It's a plumbing and, store. Yeah, Selling turlets. Into if, a if record I'm... store because his dad was a Beatnik. And then you have... Um, our friend Lucas, who's actually a beatnik, in his. I mean, it turns house. out beatnik parents can be can be tough. Just ask Ned Flanders. His parents oh, were <laughs> crazy beatniks too. One of the things that we like to do uh, on this podcast is take a look at a minor character and kind of see if this was the peak of their career um, or just the start of big things for them. So it is time for an IMDb deep dive. This week. We are diving on James Kimo Wills, who played Eddie. Uh, Y'all, this is probably the peak of his whole career. Um, this was his fourth credit. He previously appeared in Dazed and Confused as Guy at Party. So I, I assume he was by the Moon Tower at some point, but um, mm -hmm. he was in Dazed and Confused, and he has a look for that. Uh, then he had no credits for five years after this. It was this, then he did not work for five years, and he was in The Dow of Steve in 2000. 
Um, he was in Buffalo Soldiers with Joaquin Phoenix and Ed Harris. Had not seen oh, that movie. Cool. But got big stars in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he played a comic book store clerk in White Oleander, which feels on the nose for him. He also played First Slacker in a 2009 episode of Monk, which feels even more on the nose for him. Um, his last credit was 2013's Tuna, where he played Pete. Um, on a whim, I went into this movie's IMDb. You guys, uh, some wild shit. Buckle up. So, first of all, it stars David Krumholtz, who played Michael in Thin Things I Hate About You. Um, also, noted piece of shit, Louis C.K. is in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was made in 2000, but not released until 2013, when a friend digitized it and then sent it to the writer who posted it on his personal YouTube channel. A couple of years later, for some reason, this is where it gets crazy. A couple of years later, YouTube put a copyright claim on the film, even though the screenwriter posted it to his own personal channel. Um, following their copyright claim, YouTube muted the audio, so only the visuals were available to watch on this movie that the screenwriter posted on his own page. And then in 2016, the screenwriter said that he's working on it, but hasn't said anything about it since then. So like, I don't, I don't know what YouTube is up to, with that, I don't think anyone was like dying to see this movie, but yeah, I a real convoluted mess with that one. Um, now that does bring us to the end of our podcast, and just like the end of the school year, that means it's time to hand out some superlatives. Lucas is most likely to bankrupt Joe's new store and take no responsibility whatsoever for his actions. AJ is most likely to follow Corey to Boston and then guilt trip her for making new friends. He's oh, going yeah. to sad boy himself all over her fucking life in college. Uh, Corey is most likely to realize her feelings for AJ were mostly the result of a crippling opioid addiction. She was on speed pills. Okay, methamphetamines then, I'm sorry. <laughs> Gina is most likely to become a regular at the karaoke bar in her 30s. Mark is most likely to still be talking about starting a band when he is 50 years old. Deb is most likely to introduce most of her friends to My Chemical Romance and AFI after college. Burko is most likely to always be right on the verge of his big break. Eddie is most likely to start a THC bakery called Eddie's Edibles. And Warren is most likely to do 15 to life. That motherfucker is going to real jail, like, in a week. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the next pick here is Megan. Megan, what are we going to watch next week? All right. Well, I've been contemplating during this episode, and I'm, I'm down to two. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm down to center stage. Oh, that's so Megan yeah. on the nose. Or Friday Night Lights. Ooh. So oh, I've been re- yeah, during quarantine, I've been rewatching the TV version of Friday Night Lights, which by the way, I've also rewatched three times since like 2010. And I cannot watch one episode at a time. I have to watch like seven and so I'm up until like 2 a.m. during yeah. a weekday. Well, um, so is your close personal friend Taylor Kitsch, so I get that. Well, right. Um, 
So I yeah. feel so I feel like, and I'm not in Austin right now, and I feel like I'm missing a little bit of Austin, and so I feel like I have to do Friday Night Lights. Yes. Right. Texas yeah. forever. Texas forever. Okay. Yeah. It's our, um, our second Texas high school football movie. Well, technically our third, because Days of Confused has a football, oh, Texas football uh, in it a little is bit. Is that a sports movie? It's not a sports movie, <laughs> but Pink is the quarterback. It's um, a sports movie like Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's sports adjacent at, at a minimum. Adjacent, yeah, it's sports adjacent. All right. That'll be a good one. Ooh. Fantastic. Uh, so, guys, that does it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, pop on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe or give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at RecappingGownPod. That is R-E-C-A-P-N-G-O-W-N-P-O-D. Feel free to drop us your own superlatives in there and let us know uh, what you thought about Empire Records when you first saw it. Because just like Joe said, every minute that you don't subscribe to our pod just makes you look like a bigger banana head. Take it easy, millennials. We will see you next week.